please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We have been looking at spiritual warfare, and it's going to be a while before we finish with this series. We looked at verse 10 over a couple of weeks. We're on to verse 11. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. There's a lot in this, and I don't want to rush through it. I do that often in Bible college, and you know, people's heads are reeling when, when I finish. And, uh, and I don't want to give you head knowledge either. I don't want it to just be something in your head that, oh, that was a really good message, but in your head. And a week later, you forget it all, and you're not using any of it. Amen? And you're looking for the next new thing. Christianity isn't about the next new thing. It is about revelation. Amen? What you need to do is to hear, to receive, to have it revealed to you, and then act on it. Amen? James says it's the doer of the word that is blessed. Of course you need to hear before you can do. But you need to hear and you need to do. Hearing and not doing is called forgetting. Whatever you don't use, you forget. Have you noticed? Amen. Okay. Today we're going to continue in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Where the Apostle Paul says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. Now, we talked about putting on the whole armor. Remember again, you need to put it on. It's not going to jump on you. Alright, it's there for you. It's got your name on it, but you need to put it on. And remember I also said to you last time, it's not the kind of armor that you have to take off before you go to bed. The actual Greek says, you put it on and you keep it on. See, in the, in the church that I went to, they said, you have to dress yourself every morning before you go out the door. Sweetheart, don't ever take the stuff off. Amen? Because sometimes at night, you need it on. How many times have you heard people saying, oh, I've had bad dreams, and I'm fighting this. And Did you take your armor off? Yeah. Well, why? <laughs> okay? Don't take that stuff off. You need it all the time. God never slumbers or sleeps, and the devil doesn't neither. And like I said, this armor won't keep you up at night. Okay? Alright. So again, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. I want to look at that last phrase, the wiles or schemes of the devil. The Greek word for wiles, I'm not going to pronounce it, okay? <laughs> it's the word where we get the English word method from. And according to John MacArthur, carries the idea of craftiness, cunning, and deception. I shared this with you last week, but we were going to go on from here. The term was often used of a wild animal who cunningly stalked and then unexpectedly pounced on its prey. Satan's evil schemes are built around stealth and deception. Now, one of the problems that we face is when we're unprepared and we're attacked. You know, it's one thing to kind of go out there and go, okay, I'm just full of the word right now, and come on, devil. Come. He goes, no, I'm not coming near you. Let's wait till Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> when you get up and you go, Ugh, blue Monday, Ugh. you know, and you think, dear Lord, do I have to go to work? Maybe I'm feeling a little sick. Maybe I can call in sick, you know. That's where the attack is. Now let's see how you do. You know why? It's unexpected. The devil doesn't come on Sunday to attack you. That's dumb. He'll wait for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Amen. You know, when, when things are distant, that's why you stay in the Word. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, that those that continued in the Word, 
Those are the ones that God is looking for. Not that had the word once, but those that are continuing in the word. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, then are you my disciples indeed. And he said, and the truth will set you free. So we're looking at this phrase, the wiles of the devil. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Isn't that interesting? He's saying these people are going to be so good at what they do, that even people that think that they have a handle on things, be careful, remember, pride comes before a fall. Be careful, because that's how the devil attacks. That's where the devil attacks, is when your guard is down and you think you don't need anything anymore. I remember trying to share something with an older person, a relative, about some of the things I was learning. And, you know, I was just all excited about, you know, know, when you're excited, you can't shut up. And so anyway, so I was all excited and trying to, and this individual turned around and said, you don't need to tell me any of this, I, I know all that. I went to Bible school in 1943 or whatever it was. And, yeah, okay? And, you know, and I just remember thinking, okay. So my next question was, so why aren't you doing it? No. <laughs> no, you don't say stuff like that to you know, you respect your elders, okay? All right. I'll slap you, man. Anyways. <laughs> but notice, the only way that you can get deceived is if you allow yourself to be. If you decide that's enough. I have renewed my mind. No, no, no. That's not a destination. That's a journey. Amen? Renewing of the mind is all the time, every day, for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. Okay. R. Kent Hughes says, speaking of the devil, he has been honing his methods for millennia. His emissaries visited the church councils at Nicaea and Chalcedon. He sat on the medieval faculty meetings. He is an accomplished philosopher, theologian, and psychologist. He has had thousands of years of study and mastered the human discipline. And when it comes to human subversion, he is the ultimate manipulator. See, this is where you have to be careful. Now, I love all the stuff that talks about psychology and stuff. I do, and it helps, and it's a blessing. But that is also his arena. So you need to be careful what advice you are receiving from people. A lot of that stuff sounds really good sometimes, but be careful that it isn't separating you from the power of God. It isn't taking you away from God's intervention. Amen? Because it says, all things are possible to him who believes. Not how much information you get, but how much faith you're releasing in your life. And there's a lot of people that will say stuff, and it'll sound really good, and they'll say, well, we know what's going on with you, and you need to do this, and you need to take this many pills, and you need to do this and that and everything else. And I'm not saying no to any of that stuff, but don't get so caught up in that, that all your faith is in what they're telling you to do. You need to go back to God and say, okay, all things are created by you, for you. So I see all the help that I'm getting in the world from you. Now, you tell me what else I need to do. This is what they've told me to do. Now you speak. Amen? And then you find out the rest of the story. Because can I tell you this? As much as people know out there, they still don't know as much as God does. Amen? And you need personal counsel from Him. You need a personal word from Him. You need Him To tell you, okay, this is what you need to do in addition to what they said. 
And there'll be some things that he'll say, well, you know, don't worry about that, Pa. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you do this instead. Do you have the faith to do that? If you don't, do you know why? It's because the enemy is attacking your mind. He's coming against you. And you need to be aware of that. We know that one of his deadly methods is masquerading as an agent of God. According to the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says there in verses 13 through 15, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Watch this again. False apostles, deceitful workers. Watch what they transform themselves into. Apostles of Christ. Verse 14. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Notice they're all transforming. Are you getting this? Okay, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Why is there a transformation needed? Because they are going from darkness into a place of light. Or they're trying to anyway. And that isn't a real light. That's what you think is light. Not what really is light. This is when you think, Oh, I found the answer. To you, that's light. But that may not be a godly answer. Amen? And we need to be careful. Now, you understand when the Apostle Paul was writing this, there were people that were going around and contradicting everything he was teaching about the Lord and what he did and the new way of life that he brought in. Because they didn't know what a church was back then. Amen? All they did was go to synagogue school, you know? (laughs) And they go to the little synagogue and do the little thing in their temple and everything else. And here comes a new way. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You can just imagine, you know, for us that is a very common term. But for the disciples who heard it that day, it was the first time they heard it. It's like me saying, I'm going to build my gobbledygob. And you go, what's a gobbledygob? Y'all know what that is? I don't know what that is. Can you look it up in a dictionary? No, because it doesn't exist. Are y'all with me? Okay. So when, when he said church, they didn't know what. I'm sure they all looked at it and thought, okay, whatever. Is that like a synagogue? <laughs> okay. All right. Do you understand? Because remember again, we are the church. The church isn't a building. The church is you. You are the temples of the Holy Ghost. When we come together, we have church. Because all the little churches come together and make big church. And so, because that was going on, Paul is preaching all this stuff, and people are coming and saying, no, 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 that's all heresy. That's false doctrine. And so, they're saying, no, we know there's only one God. See, that's one of the things that the Jews always harp on. They say, there's only one God, there is no three. There's only one. They deny the existence of anything other than God as one. What they don't understand, and see this is again, because of our fallen mentality, it's very difficult for us to comprehend that three can become one. Do you understand? Do you know that you are spirit, soul, and body? There's three parts to you, and they're all one. There's no question, there's no problem with that. Amen? You just go, yeah, I'm spirit, soul, and body. You don't ever get to the place where you go, no, 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 I'm just just a body. (laughs) Okay? Because we know different. Amen? We know there are three parts to us. And the Jews, they have an understanding of something they can't see. They know there is at least a spirit. 
they understand and they know there is something more because they have the book of Genesis. They know that God breathed into man his life. Okay, and man became a living soul. They have all the scriptures. So they should be able to work out at least that there is a spirit, there is a soul, there is a body. Okay, because it said God breathed his life, that's his spirit life, into this physical body and a soul came from it. Okay, man became a living soul. Alright? But isn't it interesting? They can see that, but they can't see God as three. Interesting, isn't it? And they also know the Messiah was going to come. But they had a problem with the Messiah being equal with God. Because they have this concept of one God. Do you see what I'm saying? And so Paul is dealing with all of this. I'm sorry I'm going into all this stuff, but Paul's dealing with all of this. And he's saying, be careful. People will come. And I'm, let me share this with you now. Not everything out there that people are preaching is right. They may appear as ministers of light. They may appear as, as sharing stuff with you that you think, oh, that's really good stuff. Be careful. And don't let pride get in the way as well. You know what pride says? Oh, no, I can figure out what's right and what's not. Can I say this to you? Faith comes by hearing and hearing. If you hear long enough, you'll start having faith in whatever they're saying. That's why Jesus says, be careful what you hear. Proverbs says, watch what you look at, watch what you listen to. It says, don't expose yourself to stuff with the hope that you can keep sorting it out. Because after a while, it'll get in. Even stuff that you don't believe, you listen to it long enough, you will believe. That was the design. It was meant to work for you, not against you. Okay? It was meant to be that, oh, you know, I have this massive problem, mountain of a problem. And, you know, the word says, all things are possible to him that believes. And that promise is so itty bitty and so tiny. And you think, I don't think that's possible. I don't think I can ever get past this. Sweetheart, meditate on the word. It's designed to change your mind. And if you look at it long enough, after a while, the mountain will become a molehill. And all things are possible will become the mountain. And then you look at something and you won't be in doubt anymore. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing. Amen? Alright, let's move on here. I've got so much to share with you. Another method is brought out in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 involving lust and pride. And I've been talking to you about pride. It says in 1 John 2, 16, remember we're talking about the methods of the devil. One of the things that you can do is be aware of how the devil is coming at you. Now, I don't want you to see a devil in every bush and under every rock. Okay, don't, don't become weird. Don't go crazy on me. Okay, but neither should we deny his existence. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to know He exists. We need to understand how He attacks. And then we need to stand firm. Having done all to stand, stand. Amen. So let's, let's continue looking at some of the things that He comes against us with. First John chapter 2 and verse 16, the Apostle John says, For all that is in the world. Remember the devil is the God of this world. Okay? It says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Notice those three things here. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The lust of the flesh. Now, don't just think sexual things. It can be anything. You know, your flesh doesn't want to get out of bed to go to work. Have you noticed? It lusts after being in bed. It's like, oh, another five minutes, another five minutes. After a while, it's two hours and you're calling in late. 
Okay. <laughs> it's like bad flesh, bad flesh. Okay. And there are things that you need to discipline your flesh, family. There's just some things you just can't do. And I don't want to go into too much detail today because that's not the purpose of this. But understand, there are things that your flesh, it will fight you over and it will just... <laughs> I'm remembering something. I hope I can use this example. I'll try to keep names out of it. I slip up sometimes. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, mother and daughter. Daughter comes and says, I want this. Mother says, but you don't need it. Hmm. Daughter goes away. Daughter comes back. Mom, can I have this? No. But I really want it. No, but you don't need it. Daughter goes back. Comes back. Next time. Daughter goes, can I, can I have this? Mom says, no. But I need it. <laughs> okay? And that's how your flesh is. After a while, it needs everything. It doesn't just want it, it just needs it. Don't listen, it's lying to you. It needs very little. Okay? And we need to get to the place where we're not allowing our flesh to dictate where we're going and what we do. Having said that, let me move on to the next thing. Okay. The lust of the eyes has to do with looking good. It's lusting after things that you are seeing and wanting for yourself. And it is using those things to make yourself look better. So there is a duality in there and you need to be careful. Be careful what you're looking at. Because whatever you are looking at, after a while, I can almost guarantee you will become a part of your life. In fact, that's the reason why the Bible says we are to keep our eyes on things that God says we should have. And we are to keep our eyes on what makes God happy, not us happy necessarily. Can I say this? If you keep your eyes on things that makes God happy, I will guarantee you 100% it will make you happy. Because He'll show you things that are good for you. God isn't withholding anything from you. Do you understand? He's always willing to give you everything. But there are some everythings that you shouldn't have in your life. And there are others that will enhance your life and help it along. And help you to thank Him for who you are. Not, oh, I wish I was, you know. <laughs> okay? Whenever we miss the mark, whenever we try to be something we're not, whenever we go after things that don't belong to us, you will always come up short. Because God's not there. And He is not going to give you things that lead you astray. Let, let me just deal with this for just a minute. You know, sometimes we say, God, why can't I have that? And why can't I? Understand, a lot of times, things that you bring into your life and things that you take a hold of lead you somewhere else. They always lead you to something or away from something. It never is without consequence. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? So you need to be careful what you bring into your life. And if something isn't coming into your life, and you're asking God for it, and it's not coming, check to see if it's meant to be in your life. Because it might start to lead you in another direction. And you know what? When you get to heaven, then if God gave that to you, if it was a wrong thing, God gave it to you, and it led you astray, you can look at Him and say to Him, Why did you give it to me? You knew that was going to lead me astray. You knew that was going to take me off track. Are you getting this now? You're never going to have that conversation with Him. Amen. In fact, when you ask Him, He'll say, this is why. And He'll show you and all the stuff that was going to go wrong. You'll go, oh, thank you for not giving it to me, will be your response. 
I don't know how many times I've said that to him after I've whined and whined and whined about something. This is not the stuff you have with cheese, okay? This is a different kind of whining. And, you know, I just whined about, but why can't I? This is, okay, a while back now. I've learned not to do that now, okay? But, you know, you know those times when you're growing up, and you just have to have it, you, gotta, you need it, okay? And so, you know, I kept saying, oh, but, but, but Lord, and he goes, no. Can I say to you, every single thing that I said to him that I needed, how do you know it's every single thing? He reminds me. He says, remember that? Now you see why I didn't give it to you? I go, oh, thank you, God. And I'm so sorry for all the stuff I said. Anyway, (laughs) hello, amen. God is always right. I know that's like a duh statement, but you know, we don't know that. We think we're right. We think we know better, especially when we really want or need something. He's getting it wrong at that point in time. He never gets anything wrong. If you don't have something, thank God you don't have it. Because if you had it, it would have ruined you. And God will let you know somewhere along the way, if you keep your ear to Him. A lot of times people don't realize that because they turn away from Him. And then they don't know where they went wrong. And why He didn't give that to them, and how it saved them. Some people insist on their own way. Go do what they want to do. Then something goes wrong. Then you know what you hear next? God is testing me. Don't do that. Amen. Moving on. The last thing he says is the pride of life. Not everything is about you. (laughs) I know, right? It's a surprise to some of you, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Just be careful. You know, some people, they don't want to give up a certain lifestyle or whatever it is. God asks him to do something. It's like, oh, no, no. I want to be known as this, I want to do this, I want to be thought of highly, because that's what the world is all about. Now, answer me honestly. When you talk to people, what's one of the first things you ask them? So what is it you do for a living? We are about to determine whether we are going to treat them really well, or yeah, okay. If they say they're a doctor, an engineer, lawyers mixed, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that one. Uh, whatever, all right. You know, if we hear one of those categories, then we go, oh, wow, okay. We're in the wow factor now. Do you know that's the pride of life? Hear me. Oh, if you happen to be a cleaner or a bus driver or something, it's like, oh, <laughs> okay, next, let's go find somebody else. Hello. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. It's a thing we do. We want to determine in our mind how we're going to treat them. Based on this. This is the pride of life. It's very subtle. Be careful. Amen. I I ask those questions, but not not for that reason. I, I try to find places where I can chat to people and find common ground. So if they say they're a bus driver, I'll be like, wow, you must see a lot of the city. And, you know, we can chat now. I know where they're at. I know what I can talk to them about. I won't talk to them about maths and science, obviously. Oh, they may be good at that. I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> Let's start somewhere and work from there. Amen? You're, you're trying to say. Amen? But don't ever ask the question for prideful reasons. All right, moving on. It is sad how many people have sold their souls to accommodate their slidden morality. Amen? And of course, one of the devil's most effectual methods of all is doubt. 
And that's why Jesus says in Luke 18 and verse 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on this earth? You know, God is looking for faith. But we need to understand there are so many things that the enemy is going to use against us. And we need to be aware of them. One of the commentators said this, Seldom does Satan ever attack openly. His strategies, as ministered by his devils, are nearly always unseen, shrewd, and listen to this, and perfectly tailored for the victim. What a terrible foe we face. He is immensely powerful, imitating God's power and presence with his demonic host. He is evil beyond our comprehension and without conscience or principle. He is diabolically cunning and he is after us. We need to know this. Amen? We need to know what we're facing. Because otherwise what we're going to do is underestimate Him. Then He attacks. Then we kind of go, God, what's going on? And can I say this? We get lazy. I'll put my hand up. I get lazy. You know how I get lazy? I think God's looking after everything. It's okay. I can just rest. There's a reason why we have armor. Amen? There's a reason why we have a shield of faith. And a sword of the Spirit. And a breastplate of righteousness. We'll talk about all of these things. Your breastplate covers your heart. Amen? And your helmet of salvation, that covers your mind. So there are things you need to know. There are things you need to believe. You are the righteousness of God. There's no question about that. That's your breastplate. There are things that you just need to take by faith. I mean, the devil comes in and says, you're going to die. go, no. The doctor says, I think it's cancer. You rebuke that. Not the doctor. You rebuke the cancer. Okay? okay? <laughs> Alright? That's your faith. And you have the word. By his stripes, I was healed. That's your sword. That's, that attacks that cancer now. Amen? So, again, we'll talk about stuff as we get to it. We'll get to the weapons one at a time. But you need to understand all of this. You need to be aware of what you are facing. And what you are fighting. Don't let your guard down. But it's not a stressful life. Satan is finite. I'm running out of time, so let me just share some of these things with you very quickly. God is infinite. That's what the Apostle John says, Greater is He who is in us. You have an infinite being on the inside of you. He has infinite power. His power is unparalleled. Satan has a lot of power. But God's power is unparalleled. There is no struggle between good and evil. Good lifts his foot up and puts it down and that's the end of evil. (laughs) Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen? So don't ever get... See, again, these are little mind games. These are things, and we'll talk about this next week, about the mind games, the games that the devil plays with your brain. Because if he can get you thinking wrong, he'll get you believing wrong, you'll leave doors open, and he'll attack you. And what's really sad... It's, it's almost like an ant attacking an elephant. It's ridiculous. You were the elephant, by the way. I'm not saying you look that way or anything. I'm just saying that, that okay, strength-wise, okay? <laughs> All right? I mean, if that elephant just lifts his foot up and put it down, that's the end of ant. And it's ridiculous how it's almost like this little ant is threatening the elephant and we're backing off. And we back off right over a cliff. And we say, God, why didn't you do anything? What can God do about that? Lift your foot. Put it down. We're done. (laughs) Don't back away. Anyway, we see evidence of Satan's shrewdness and his cunning in the way that after all of the predictions of the Messiah, 
given in the Old Testament. And even after all of Jesus' preaching, teaching and miracles, Satan still managed to induce Israel to reject and crucify her own Messiah. Because of their unbelief. That's the kind of foe that we're facing. You know, you see a lot of this in more traditional Christian settings. They say, oh no, miracles have passed away. That all this stuff, you know, all this power stuff, that was just for the Son of God. As soon as you start saying that, you are putting yourself in a place of being a victim now. And then you are going to blame God. And then you are going to give really nice sermons like, God comes to test and try. And there are things that we can't understand that God will just do. And you know what? We just need to stick with Him and and, and just see it through. And some mother asks, why did my baby get taken? Well, God's testing you. Well, why do you have to kill an innocent kid to test you? Jesus was very clear when He said, the thief comes to steal kill and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come. Remember, Philip said, show us the Father. He said, you're looking at Him. So this is what God the Father does as well. Jesus said, whatever I see the Father doing, that's what I do. Whatever I see Him saying, that's what I say. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. It is time that we stop allowing the enemy to steal from us. We need to acknowledge that maybe we're not in the place that we need to be. In the power of God. But that doesn't mean we'll never get to it. Because as we continue to believe, we'll grow. But if we let go and say, oh no, it's all God and He can do whatever He wants, we stop. Jesus said, these signs will follow. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. Dot, dot, dot. Amen? We need to grow in faith in order to do the things that God has called us to. And then the world will sit up and pay attention. Because we'll be doing something that they haven't seen. And we won't have to argue with them about which religion is right. We let them argue. We lay hands on the sick, watch them recover and go, okay, what do you want to do now? Unless they're stupid, the next thing will be, I'll take that, thank you. (laughs) Okay? End of story. Our gospel is to be in word and deed. And that deed isn't just being kind. It's about releasing the power of God and showing that He does exist. Do you know that is one of the primary ways that people knew God existed? Nicodemus said to Jesus, We know you are sent from God because of the things you're doing. Amen. Jesus didn't have to convince him. He said, We already know. We can see it. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's leave it there. So much more to share with you. If you're not here next week, please do log in and catch the rest of this. Amen. Every head bow, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for...